We welcome you to the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We believe God has a message for you today that will encourage and speak truth to your heart and life. Let's join Pastor Melanie Bertolio as she shares the word with us today. All right, church, you can have a seat. We are, we've got a, a lot to cover tonight. Um, I'm very excited about this uh, this name of God, because um, as I stated, it's uh, the name that we are studying tonight is Je- Jehovah Shalom. It's mentioned one time in the whole Bible, and it's in Judges chapter 6. But it's a powerful, powerful revelation of who God is, and we're going to we're going to learn about God through Gideon. And I've said it many times from this pulpit that Gideon's one of my favorite people because I can relate to Gideon. And I think a lot of people can. And I love that his story is included in the word because it brings just the story of who Gideon was brings me peace because it lets me know that I'm not the only one out there that that struggles, and Gideon struggled, and we're going to read a little bit about that. But his story, I want to set up his story just a little bit before we get started. The Israelites are in the promised land at this point, okay? They have uh, been in the promised land for a little while, and the fact of the matter is they have no peace. Why do they have no peace? Well, because they've just always got an enemy that's coming after them. Why? Because they are always... They can obey God for a season of time and then suddenly they just can't keep going anymore and they start to disobey God and they they turn from him and they start behaving like the people of the world that they're living amongst instead of driving those people out. They just start adopting those people's ways. They start adopting their gods. They start doing a lot of things that they really should not be doing. And so every single time, it's just this cycle that we see with the Israelites where they get in disobedience through uh, rebellion and through through adopting the world's ways. And and God then uh, allows them to be attacked by their enemies. And then they finally get scared and enough to say say help. and, And then he comes in and he rescues them each and every time. And so that's, that has happened in recent history to Gideon's story. So they're in the promised land, but they haven't had peace. Um, they've suffered the consequences of disobedience, being ruled over very ruthlessly, very mercilessly by a Canaanite king. And then along come a couple of very brave women by the name of Deborah and Jael. And they come to Israel's rescue and they get some peace. But then uh, they begin to disobey again. And so we, we pick up right there where they have begun, they have started to disobey God. And so God, it says, to, has turned them over to the Midianites. And that had been going on for seven years. The Midianites then joined forces with the Amalekites and what they call other people from the east. And they began to ruthlessly and mercilessly rule over uh, the Israelites. The Israelites had to resort to hiding in caves and mountains just to avoid being killed, and they were starving. They were absolutely starving. Why? Because the Midianites would raid their crops, just destroy them, and then they stole all of their livestock. So they were literally starving. 
And so we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 6, and we're going to start with verse number 6. We're going to read quite a bit of this story because I think it's important for us to be able to understand the importance of the name Jehovah Shalom. So starting in verse 6, it says, So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. Now, I want to just make a note here. It says... They cried out to the Lord for help, and when they cried out, the Lord sent a prophet. He didn't make them just have to deal with their problem for a while. The moment they cried out, God acted on their behalf. It says in verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat in the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Well, why is he doing this in the bottom of a wine press? He's hiding so that they can just have a little bit of food. A wine press is not an ideal place to thresh wheat. You normally thresh wheat out in the open so that the wind will pick up the chaff and carry it away and you're just left with the good stuff. But he's down in a hole trying to thresh wheat just so they can have a little something to eat. And it says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, do you think that Gideon felt like a mighty hero when he's been hiding in caves, hiding in the mountains, now he's hiding in the bottom of a wine press, trying to just get enough food to keep from starving to death? I don't think Gideon probably felt much like a mighty hero. In verse 13, it says, Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. So Gideon goes away. He, he gathers an offering. He cooks up all this stuff, brings it back, and he puts it on the altar of the Lord. The angel, starting in verse 20, it says, The angel of God said to him, Place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. 
you will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Ophrah in the land of the clan of Abiezer to this day. This, there is so much in this story, uh, and we're not going to be able to get to all of it, but there are some very key points that I want to bring out to you. First of all, we're learning about the name of God, Jehovah Shalom. Um, I know it said Yahweh Shalom, but if you recall from, from what uh, Pastor taught us the very first week, sometimes you will read Yahweh, sometimes you will read Jehovah. They are interchangeable, and so it means the same thing. And, and Jehovah means the self-existing one, and Shalom means peace. And that's a pretty important name of God for us to understand. So Gideon is spending life in fear for his life, hiding in caves, hiding and, and, and being very upset, quite frankly, with God, as are all of the Israelites, I think, at this point, because they believe what? They believe that God has abandoned them. And so they're in fear, and they have doubt over their situation and what they're going to do. And so what are they doing? They're they're, they're doing everything they know to do just to stay alive. Just to get, they're in survival mode. There's a lot of Christians out there today living life in survival mode. And God wants more for you. I want to remind you that when they called upon the Lord, God immediately acted on their behalf. Immediately, he sent a prophet. What's interesting is, and we've read the story, so we know that at the end of what we just read, we haven't read the whole story, but we've read the part that we're going to read for today because we've read what we need to know. Here's, here's what you know. Gideon built an altar, and he called the altar, the Lord is peace, Jehovah Shalom. How much of the battle had been won at that point in the natural? Nothing had really changed when you think about it. Nothing in the natural realm had changed. What had changed was in the supernatural realm for Gideon. Gideon got a revelation not just of Jehovah, the self-existing one, but of Jehovah Shalom, the one who is peace. Okay, so if God is peace, if he's in the room, there is peace. If, he's, if he is welcomed into your home, there is peace. If you've got a rotten job and, and, and you don't like it and you, you wish you had a different one, let me just tell you, tomorrow when you get up and go to the rotten one, peace is available for you there. You don't have to live bent up because of what other people are doing. And here's what Gideon was dealing with, was he was counting on someone else 
to change his circumstances to then bring peace. And what he learned and what he got a revelation of, this is not, nothing changed. You got you to gotta hear and see this. Nothing that he could see changed. But he changed. Gideon's perspective changed. He went from believing that he had been abandoned to knowing that the Lord was with him. Not just knowing that the Lord was with him now, but that the Lord had been with him all along. The presence of God is the assurance of peace. If you don't have peace, I'm going to say something that might just hurt your feelings, and I kind of hope it does, if it will change the way you think. If you don't have peace, it's your own fault. I mean, it just is. And here's why. There's a disconnect. But see, the, the Israelites thought that God had abandoned them. It came out of Gideon's own mouth. God has abandoned us. But what he learned was God had never abandoned them. Never. They had abandoned God. They had rebelled in their hearts against God. And so it was a life-changing light bulb moment, lightning strike moment for Gideon when he got that revelation. And it could be that for us too because there's too many people in the church living so bent up, so anxious and worried and fearful. And that is not God's will for us. Gideon hadn't fought a battle when he got the peace. But God's presence was able to be the peace for Gideon that he needed. And we know that this, God's presence in our circumstances, can be the assurance of our peace. That's why we can pray and know that God can bring peace into a situation that is very painful. That's who God is. In Philippians 4... It says this in verse 6. It says, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And then his peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. God's peace. Not, it's a different kind of peace. We're looking for something that isn't going to satisfy. See, we're looking for a, a different job to satisfy and bring us peace. We're looking for a mended relationship to satisfy and bring us peace. We're looking for all of these things that are visible, that are tangible to us, to bring peace. And we are going to always be looking and never finding until we reach the point where we realize that it is God's peace. Millie shared a word at our women's Bible study that was very powerful using this very passage out of Philippians 4. And what she said was that God's peace can be the gatekeeper of your heart and your mind. And I thought that's, that's a powerful way to think about that. When we keep God in the center of all that we're doing, when we invite him in, 
then his peace can be the gatekeeper of our heart and our mind. The only problem is we don't often acknowledge that we're keeping him out. You got to hear me on this. You can't give him partial access and expect him to move every single time that you, you want him to move. You've got to be all in. You've got to be all in. God is sitting on go, waiting to move on your behalf. But he knows, he knows when he has your whole heart and when he's got a little bitty piece of it. If ever there was a time that we needed a revelation of Jehovah Shalom, it is now. Because we live in a world that, that cultures that have come before us couldn't possibly understand. If you picked people up and set them down in the world that we're living in right now, it would be such, so shocking to them. Why? Because just because of information. Just because of information. When I think about the information that we have access to now, you know, 200 years ago, if there was a tsunami on the other side of the world and 100,000 people died, you would probably not ever know about it. Is that it? Have you ever thought about that? And we watch in real time what's happening on the other side of the globe. And, and when we kind of give in to this need-to-know mentality that the, the, the media wants us to adopt... It's, it's just nearly impossible not to feel anxious and fearful all of the time. When we give too much of our attention to the news, when we give too much of our attention to all the things that could happen, because now it's not just that we get the facts, we get the possibilities. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about this? How differently would we have handled the pandemic had we not had a 24-7 news cycle and a death count at the corner of the screen every time we turned on the television? You know what we would have done as Christian people? We would have prayed when somebody got sick. We'd have prayed over them. We'd have believed in faith for God to heal, heal them. That's what we'd have done. And you know what? I think we probably would have had a lot more faith. But there's so much that we have just, I mean, it's just like someone with a fire hose shooting information at us all of the time. And, and we, do, we don't just have to decide, you know, how much. We, once we get the information, we've got to then categorize that information. Is this true information? Is this misinformation? Is this uh, needful information or is it unnecessary information? There's too much. It's just too much. God doesn't want us to give that much of our attention to things that he's not the center of. And what I'm telling you is I don't look at CNN. I don't look at Fox. I don't look at MSNBC. I don't look at any news source and see God at the center of it most of the time. We have got to get an understanding of who God is, even in 2023. See, it doesn't matter. The mandate on our lives isn't different than the people who lived 
200 years ago, 1,000 years ago, we still have to keep our eyes focused on the Lord. And it's really hard to do when we're giving all of our attention to something else. You know what it's called when you give your attention to something else over giving your attention to God? It's idolatry. So if you're more concerned about catching Fox News or whatever news source you use, I mean, I know there's a bazillion of them, but if that is the most important thing to you right now, then what I'm telling you is that you're worshiping at the altar of Fox News. You're worshiping at the altar of Newsmax or CNN or whatever it happens to be, but you're not worshiping at the altar of Jehovah Shalom, the God who is peace. Now we can know what's going on anywhere and everywhere all the time. When something bad happens, we know about. We just know about it. What's more is this idea that we know about all the bad things that could happen. So my encouragement to you is just this. Give your attention to what you love. You know, it's why David said, you know, help me. I want to get back to my first love. He recognized that he was giving his attention to someone other than the Lord. You know, I was thinking about this. And, you know, it's not just news outlets. We've got social media platforms. And every single social media platform has thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of self-proclaimed influencers. You ever thought about that? What, what are the, what's the criteria? What's the requirement to be an influencer? You just get to decide that you're going to be an influencer. Now, <laughs> that's, that, that's what it amounts to. I think my, my kitchen looks really pretty right now. I'm going to take a picture of it. And then I, I think the rest of the world needs to know how I came to, 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 to decorate my kitchen this way. I, I am I'm very proud of my my figure and 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 I get up every day and I do my thing and you know I think the world needs to know how in the world I've accomplished this you know a lot of those ones they they want to uh they all have links you know and they're all selling something and you know every now and then I'm just like anybody else I'll click on one of those links I got on well I've been on a couple of them where they want they, they want to start by asking you now what what shape are you and they give you examples and are you an apple are you a pear are you a banana I've never seen banana but but I think there are people that might be banana shaped I was thinking about it you know no I'm serious what shape am I? What shape am I? Hmm, I don't know what shape I am. I literally couldn't tell you what shape I am. And I, please don't come and tell me what shape I am, okay? <laughs> but I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, I'm the shape of a 55-year-old menopausal woman that really didn't concern herself with her eating habits a lot until the last few years, who's had 
three babies, carried two of them at one time, and they weighed 15 pounds, over 15 pounds together. That's, that, what shape would you call that? I don't even know how to answer these questions, but, but everybody's got the answers for you, is my point. Man, if you'll just answer these few questions, I'll give you all the answers that will save your life, that will make you the person that I am. I'm just telling you, if you follow more influencers than you do follow people who are, are promoting the kingdom of God and the cause of Christ on the earth, you need to consider whether or not there's some idolatry in your life. When we were in Washington, D.C., we had the privilege of listening to some senators and representatives who are on the front line waging a war against evil. And, and I'm just going to tell you right now, do not believe anyone who tells you that there aren't some people who are, are good in Washington, D.C. We, we talked to some spirit-filled believers who are doing what, all they're doing is what they can. And it's very difficult to get much accomplished there. And, and the fact of the matter is, we, we listened to, I don't know, 10 to 12, 15, I'm not sure how many people we got to hear from. But we had several people say, the fact of the matter is, it's not good. We would love to come in here and give you a great report, but the fact is, it's not good. But aren't you glad that we can hear that report and know that it's true and that doesn't have to rob us of our peace? Aren't you glad? As a human being on this planet right now, there is such an overload of information and we, we get overwhelmed by it. Um, and it's, it's difficult to navigate at times. And it's just, quite frankly, too much without the Lord. But the government isn't going to fix our peace. I'm just telling you right now. You know, one of the most powerful things that I heard while we were there is this, that, you know, all of these, someone, and I don't remember which one it was, but they got up and they said, listen, you're here hoping we're going to deliver some good news to you that we're going to do something that's going to change the, the trajectory of America that we're going to... And he said, what we're telling you is that you guys as pastors are the ones who can effect change if you will just get up from a pulpit and preach the truth. And, and what he went on to say was all the laws that are needed are already on the books. It, and there was a fellow that was, was just telling his own story, and he had quite a story to tell. He'd been, he had been shot. He was on the, the baseball field when the, the shooter shot. He was shot there. He was shot at on the highway by someone who tried to assassinate him uh, while he was driving, and, uh, and, and it was legitimate. The guy was caught and put in prison. He was, he was then in a wreck uh, a few weeks after that where he was in, a, in, a, in a, a vehicle that rolled several times. And he said, you know, I didn't emerge from any of those three major events going, man, if only I could have passed one more bill. He wasn't thinking about that at all. Why? Because the government can't save us. The government can't bring us peace. And, and I, I believe in doing everything we can on our end to impact and put 
godly people in office, but I'm not going to let the fact that there are ungodly people there right now rob me of my peace. The government can't fix it. A new job can't fix it. My husband changing his ways and finally seeing the light can't fix it. God, Jehovah Shalom. And it doesn't require that anything in the natural ever changes. Because it's in here. In John 16, Jesus himself said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows. Other versions say, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. We don't have to be fearful about trouble that comes. We have to know it's coming. Gideon was living in the promised land. He was in it. And you know what? We're in it too. And when we're living all all, all jerked up, we're living jerked up in the promised land. And we don't have to. Gideon was living in the promised land. But God showed up. When? When when the Israelites cried out and gave him permission to come in and to, to get involved. So peace is possible. And that's what Gideon's story shows us. And, and you see Gideon and the Israelites were hiding in caves and mountainous areas from, because of enemies that were attacking them. And here's what you got to know. We're under attack every single day. That's just life. That's the trouble that's, that, that Jesus was talking about. But some of the attacks, some of the things that we face, and this is the part that's not easy to hear, some of it is our fault. It's because we are in disobedience. Why were the Israelites under attack? Because they were in disobedience and they had an enemy that was going to come after them and find them in their moment of weakness. And and when we are, are not obeying God, that is a moment of weakness. And that makes us perfect prey for an enemy who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's exactly what he was doing to the Israelites there, and that's what he's trying to do to you today. He has nothing new in his arsenal. He's just trying the same thing over and over and over again. And he's willing to do, he's willing to attack an entire congregation of people just to get two or three to fall away. So, What was God's response? At the moment they cried out, he sent a prophet. And he set their victory in motion in that moment. And in verses 7 and 8, it says, When, in verse 12, he calls Gideon a mighty hero. In some versions, he, he calls him a mighty man of valor. Gideon didn't feel like a mighty man of valor. But the moment he gave God permission, God took a step toward Gideon and he began to remind Gideon of who he was. Gideon wasn't a mighty man of valor to the people around him, but God knew Gideon from the inside out. And he knew what Gideon was capable of. But in verse 16, he said something to Gideon. And I think this is where... 
it turned around for Gideon. He said, I will be with you. And so much of the time when we are in the middle of chaos and struggle and strife, trouble, we, we look at God and we say, why have you abandoned me? And we blame God for our disobedience. But here's all you got to do is you got to turn back and say, God, I, I need help. And the moment you do that and you acknowledge, then God says, I will be with you. And that's what we all want to hear. We, we've all felt abandoned by God at times, but we can all know that God doesn't abandon his kids. It says he will never leave us or forsake us. That means turn his back on us. He will not do it. It's not in his nature to do it. But he also will not push himself on us. So Gideon went from saying the Lord has abandoned us to just a few verses later, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom, this, the self-existing one, is my peace. His situation didn't change to our natural eyes. But he quit compromising and I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of compromise in the lives of, of Christian people today. And we oftentimes don't even realize where the compromise comes from. I mean, we've got a, a, a world of, uh, we've got a church, and I'm not talking our church. I'm just talking about the church. There are a lot of people within the church who will make the argument that you can't live by a biblical moral standard in this culture. That, that to, to, to uphold uh, sexual morality, to not sleep with someone before you're married to them, is just not possible. It's not realistic in 2023. It was no more different a thousand years ago than it is now. It's just about where your heart is. There are people who will tell you that, that, that I, I would have been honest on that resume, but I was honest on several and I couldn't get a job and I, that I was qualified for. So I just added to it a little bit. We compromise in, what, in school. It's this. Well, I just, I knew what I got wrong. So I just, I just thought I would write it down when I got back. And instead of marking it wrong... I'll just fix that when I get back to my desk and then, and then I won't have, to, won't, won't have to go through the process of correcting my work. But we're very disingenuous about our role in, in the conflicts that we face in life. And God wants us, God wants us to be able to navigate conflict. He's telling us you're going to have it, but he wants us to be able to navigate conflict in a way where we maintain our peace. So we downplay our side in conflict and we emphasize someone else's part in a conflict instead of just going, you know, I was really wrong. And then when it doesn't work out, we wonder where God was in all of it. 
It's a lot easier to reject God and accuse him of abandoning, abandoning us than it is just to admit we've been disobedient and rebellious. You got to hear me on that. It's way easier to blame God than it is to own that we did something to get ourselves in, in the situation that we're in. You know, in, in the Bible, leprosy was a disease that was terrible. And it was a very visible, ex external disease. I mean, it would cause parts of your, if it, got on, it was on your face, it would cause parts of your, your face to just kind of fall off. It was terrible. But there are a lot of scholars that, that, that say that in the Word of God, leprosy is a represent, an external representation of what, what we deal with as, in, in the heart. That it's showing on the outside, really, that we all have sickness and disease in our hearts until we turn to Christ and are redeemed, we're healed from that. And that's kind of the story of Naaman. I mean, he had leprosy, but really, Naaman's biggest problem wasn't leprosy. Naaman's biggest problem was pride. And we, we're told the story of Naaman so that we can understand the destruction that pride will bring into your life and how it will keep you from getting what God wants for you. See, Naaman was told how he could be healed of leprosy. His only problem was he was too proud to go dunk himself seven times in a dirty river. He wanted to have a nice clean pond that he could just dunk in one time and come up and be healed. But God used that moment to reveal in his heart the sickness and disease that was there. And it's a lot easier to be cured of an external disease. Why? Because you can see that. But there's a lot of disease that, that we deny and really reject even having that until we, until we just own it, we kind of tie the hands of God. And we want peace, but we're not willing to be obedient. We want peace, but we're not willing to just do what God says. The internal reality for the, the Israelites was they didn't trust God. They didn't think that he was able to take care of them. They didn't think that when, they, when, when he said, drive these people out, that that was the best decision to make. So they didn't trust God. And so they started looking for external solutions. The only problem with that was they began to worship things that, that, uh, that couldn't produce peace in their life, could only bring struggle and conflict. So they began to assimilate into the, the cultures that were living where they were living. They began to worship the gods that, uh, of the people around them. And it was destruction for them. Total destruction. But all it took was for them to invite him in. And what I'm telling you right now is if you are lacking peace, all it takes is for you to invite God in. But you've got to invite him in and acknowledge 
what's gotten you into that place in the first place. Because if you don't, you'll just be running that same cycle that the Israelites were running where you can, man, you have peace for a little bit, but it's a temporary peace that you can't maintain. Why? Because you're trying to maintain it. And it's a, a peace that can only come from the presence of God. The presence of God is the assurance of your peace. When I was dealing with issues of infertility, it was a struggle. It was, it, was, it was an ugly struggle that was painful for me. And I can tell you that it, it was only when I gave that to the Lord. And it really was. And I, it's, it's kind of a long story, so I'm not going to tell it. But what I'm telling you is this. God gave me a peace. And I, I couldn't explain it. I went from being angry and from being uh, frustrated with God. I cried I screamed at God at times over it. But I, when I realized that I was in disobedience, that I wasn't trusting him, and I began to put my whole trust in him, it changed everything. He could, I wasn't giving him anything to work with, but he became Jehovah Shalom for me. And I knew that if it never happened, I would be okay and I would have peace. Jehovah Shalom was with Gideon before the victory, and Gideon experienced a perfect peace that's only found at the altar of God's presence. And here's what I want you to know. You can have that same experience that Gideon had. In John 14, 27, Jesus said this, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world can't give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Jehovah Shalom was pointing us to Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace and who can give us a peace that nothing else, nothing, no circumstance and no situation in life can ever provide for us. And I want to encourage you to seek the Lord and invite him in. Acknowledge disobedience, acknowledge rebellion in your heart, and he is just sitting on go ready to bring you that kind of peace. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.